Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Way with Jamila Jamil. I hope you're all right. And if you're not, it's completely understandable. As ever, the news is fucking horrifying. But I would say if you throw in what's happening to women in the Supreme Court and the horrific, deadly natural disasters as a result of complete political failure, devastating and criminal failure when it comes to climate change, And you also look at these new looming COVID bucking restrictions as people are preparing to finally be able to spend Christmas with the people they love and seeing all these numbers going up and countries being restricted and everything feeling really scary again, like nothing has changed since a year and a half ago. It's just a lot. And I can understand if, you know, at the end of this kind of two-year fever dream, you feel like we haven't really gotten very far I would just like to offer you the perspective that I think we actually have in many ways. We might have had a lot of time and energy taken away from us, but a lot of us, I'd say damn near most of us, have grown in ways that maybe we can't see right now. If you'd asked any of us in 2019 if we would be able to withstand what has happened in the last two years, we probably would have said no, because it was too much. But we're still here. And even if we're in pieces, pieces can be put back together again. We're still here. We still somehow have the energy or hope or whatever the fuck it is to get out of bed and try. And that is remarkable. And while it is so frustrating that it often takes trauma to build the human spirit, nobody can now take away the strength that we have and the endurance that we have. It is just remarkable. And so I say this in a way that I don't mean to sound at all condescending, but I'm very proud of you and this entire community. And I'm proud of myself and my friends for still being civilised and for still having even a modicum of faith. We carry on because there's a part of us, even just subconsciously, that believes that things are going to get better. And they are. It just maybe doesn't feel that way this week right now because we're exhausted. But just don't feel bad. Don't feel alone if you're feeling demoralised. Things are moving in a better direction ever so slowly. And we are moving forward as better and more powerful people than we have ever been. Anyway, moving on to today's episode. Now, I know it probably feels a bit odd that I've had a recurring guest within just a few weeks, but she's so fucking excellent that I knew the second I finished recording my last episode with her a few weeks back that you would want more because it was so excellent and I was proven right because it was so good and I was proven right because you almost broke my Instagram with the amount of messages you sent me about how profound it was, not because of me, because of my excellent guest, 
Natalie Wynn. She's so interesting and it's a, it was a complex issue where we were having to do quite an intricate dance with one another as we talked about some hairy topics and I think we had a really rare connection and she taught me a lot in that episode and made a lot of you really think. You sent me some really deep and introspective and personal messages afterwards and so I was really thrilled and it made me feel really good about the decision to bring Natalie back immediately because I have like a billion things I want to discuss with her because I'm just so obsessed with her mind. This time I wanted to talk to her about incels. I am fascinated by incels, not in a malicious, judgy sort of way, but in a in a terrified way, really. The word incel is short for involuntarily celibate. And it is a whole culture that exists in the world, but is perpetuated and most heavily distributed online. And it is bleeding out into everyday life where we are seeing school shootings, we are seeing attacks on women every single fucking day, and it's becoming out of control. And if we continue to just ignore it or ridicule it, it's only going to get worse. And so I wanted to bring Natalie back on to teach me about incel culture and teach all of us about incel culture because we have to understand what we're dealing with here in order to be able to manage it and stop it and turn it around because this is dangerous and sad for everyone involved. And she really blew my fucking mind. She's really, really researched heavily into this subject. And in this episode, we're not just trying to scare the shit out of you. We're trying to learn about what incel culture is, how it came to be, and and why it exists, and who is part of it, and how it functions, and how it gains strength. And also, more importantly how we could move as a society in a way that could perhaps lure people away from incel culture. I try to maintain as much empathy as possible in this episode because I'm trying to become less of a judgmental prick um, because it's not getting anyone anywhere. And so if you feel like I'm a little bit soft in this episode, sorry if that disappoints you, but I would really like to live in a safer world and perhaps part of that means understanding our enemy and finding a way to meet them somewhere in the middle and finding a way to coerce them into being humane and safer for us all to be around. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I couldn't cut it down because she blew my fucking mind every minute and I think you'll want to send this to everyone you know because it's fascinating. It says so much about where we're at as human beings and I'm dying to hear your thoughts afterwards, as always. So for now, here is, once again, the absolutely excellent Natalie Wynn. Welcome back to I Weigh. How are you? 
I am good. Thank you for having me back. I, I, this is the fastest I've ever had anyone else back. Um, oh, I I'm enjoyed very that. <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed our chat so much last time. It 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 wasn't not a contentious chat. It there wasn't like there there was there was space for it to be um, tense, and yet it wasn't. I left our chat feeling like uh, like I wanted to be friends. <laughs> yeah, that's about as good as it can go, isn't it? Because uh, I mean, a little bit of tension <laughs> keeps things you know keeps things exciting. Yeah. What is it? Like pressure builds the diamond or something like that? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember. Um, I don't yeah, think, it, I think, so. I don't I think, think so. it builds the diamond. I'm sure it, it does a different um, adjective. Anyway. <clears throat> I don't really um, know how diamonds work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how have you been? Um, I've been, I've been fine slowly getting, slowly getting better from, from horrible at the beginning of this year. So. What do you I, mean? I, I would say I've ascended to fine. Um, well, I just had a horrible year last year and like, you know, why did something happen? (laughs) Well, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. There's a (laughs) worldwide disaster. Go on. No. Yeah. Well, that's actually kind of one thing that's nice about this year is you you usually don't have to explain why things are bad. You can just kind of like, you Mm. know, just, you can just gesture at the, out, out the window and people get it. Yeah. But this year things are starting to get better. I like to think so. I think I'm I'm climbing out of it. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. to hear that because um, we need you. I have been watching your videos religiously uh, and going back over them again since our last chat to see what I could bring you back uh, to discuss with me because I love the way you put information across. And today I really wanted to talk to you about incels because I mm. am... Uh, fascinated by incel culture and I no longer think they are like a kind of like niche subset of our society I think it they they are a symptom of a really giant cause that we have to understand we can't just reject and ridicule these human beings um I think it is I think to understand incel culture and more about patriarchy and toxic masculinity would only help not only them but us it would keep everyone safer and make everyone happier and so I come to you from a place of no intentional judgment of incels but mostly just to learn because I really admire your work and investigation and also nuance when discussing the issue what made you interested in incel culture well at the time I'd kind of been interested in I mean I, I first started talking about this in 2016 2017 and at the time, I mean, it was a whole different like internet back then. The, there, there was what we call, it was called the Manosphere, which was just this whole like interconnected, uh, web of communities that w- were sort of focused around so-called men's issues. Um, a lot of this kind of later became like the alt-right and Trumpism, but at the time it was really focused as a backlash to feminism. Like the so, men's, men's rights activism, right? Yeah. Men's rights activism. Yeah. They had, there was a lot of different like ways that it kind of explains itself, but it was really all the same thing. So yeah, you had men's rights activism. There was like, I mean, incels, there was, it's called MGTOW. It was an acronym for men going their own way. Um, and it was, is that going their own way away from women or from other men yeah, who they feel like have been, I don't know, like indoctrinated into the evils of feminism? It's away from away from women. Um, I mean, it's basically it's basically incels, but just with a different framing device, which is we are choosing to be celibate as opposed to um, 
as opposed to like, we don't want to be celibate, but we're stuck like this, which is incels. Yeah. So incel is involuntarily celibate. And I guess what you're describing is a vol cell, a voluntarily sure, yeah. celibate person. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the, the, the ideological differences between these groups are pretty trivial. It's, it's sort of more just like an interpretive difference or a difference of experience. I feel like a lot of times people who, like, I don't know, if you're like a divorced uh, middle-aged man, you're not going to identify as an incel probably because, you know, you have ex- experienced relationships with women before. So that the label incel doesn't really fit. So that's, the, but, but people who share a kind of worldview would, would say that would call themselves MGTOW or Volcel, like you said, yeah. Fascinating. And so when it comes to incels, are you suggesting that they are all under a certain age? Um, I would say that most of the, that community was like late teens, early to mid twenties. It was some older people. Um, I guess, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a community based on shared feelings of oppression and, um, you, you know, Resentment, and anytime you have a community that's founded on that, you get this like escalating gatekeeping of like, oh, if you don't have it bad enough, you're not allowed in here. And I think usually with incels, the rule was like you have to, you you can't ever have had a sexual relationship with a woman ever. So I I would say that it's there. There is there would be some people in there who are in their thirties or or older, but for the most part, it was we're talking about young men. Right. Okay. And so, what is the cause? I mean, such a huge question, but what yeah. would be the most easily identifiable cause of an incel? Well, I guess we should we should ex- explain exactly what incel means, because I think, does it just mean any man who has had no success in dating? Or does it, has, does it imply that you have to specifically buy into this ideology? Yeah, so I, talk to me about yeah. the ideology. Because I think there's nothing, I mean, we, we, we talk about incels in a very harsh way, because usually what we're talking about is we're talking about these, this ideological, um, disposition and this community built around it. But I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with being un- unsuccessful in, in dating, right? Uh, no, it's most just, of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's really what you do with that, that, um, that, that, that makes a difference. And so, what, what causes the incels? Well, at first, things that are very easy to relate to, I think, um, frustrated desire, uh, life that is on, that is disappointing and painful, um, a f- feeling that, you know, the, the, the experiences that we were promised to you have not ever materialized and may, maybe never will. Um, and then I would say where the, like, the toxic turn happens when they basically start assigning blame for this. And they blame, uh, well, they blame women or they blame feminism or they blame, um, you know, some, some kind of, uh, aspect of modernity, like usually associated with progressive politics that they sort of attribute to their own disappointments. And I guess also societal beauty standards for men. Sure. There's a lot, there's a lot of talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, because I think, you know, insults, despite, claiming to have given up uh, all hope by, by the time they enter their forum. Like, obviously, like for a lot of them, the attempt to improve their situation is still f- fresh in the mind, which is why there's all this talk about bone structure and uh, plastic surgery and going to the gym and so on. Like, they've definitely considered how to improve their situation, often through these like r- really like superficial things 
like that direct address, like just physical appearance, which I guess kind of what they say is mostly about, um, that's what they've decided is mostly about. Um, and, but so, so yeah, that, that is, they, they certainly do blame beauty standards, although they don't really blame beauty standards. They blame, I guess they blame women, women for, being, for, yeah, their standards. for having standards. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see, we aren't mm-hmm. expected to look any certain way. You know, we don't have right, a no, beauty standard that we are expected no, to live up to. So. Beauty exactly. They have, so, they'll just date any woman. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It was really yeah. rude of us to invent that. I can't believe we invented that. We continue to just be the most yeah. toxic. Um, Diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> and would you, would you say that, and I don't again mean this in a derogatory way. I've definitely mm-hmm use the term incel in a derogatory way sometimes to shut down a asshole on twitter and uh, in the last year and a half i've been trying to grow the fuck up and realize that actually what i'm dealing with is potentially someone who's extremely unhappy and potentially quite unstable in their emotional kind of I don't know, approach to life. And so, A, it's probably not safe to antagonize someone like that, but B, it's not very helpful. And I would like, I would like to be more helpful. I've definitely asked someone who said something, you know, fucking outrageous. The way that some men talk to women online is so hateful and violent and vitriolic that there's a part of you that just wants to snap back. And I've sometimes remarked that I didn't know that there was Wi-Fi in the incel basement. Um, And that's just not, it's just not getting us anywhere. Well, I I don't blame you for snapping back. I think anyone everyone has been tempted to do that. Most people have done it at some point. I mean, especially when you're in like your position online where you have a lot of people commenting at you and a lot of it is really, really ugly and toxic mm. and abusive even. Like it's uh, it's definitely tempting to 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 get them. Yeah, and to be <laughs> but, reactionary. Yeah, yeah. To, be, to, yeah to, to be reactive. But I think like, obj- like from like a, I don't know, pra- pragmatic perspective, does it help anything to shame people no, it doesn't. It maybe, it maybe feels satisfying for a moment, but it does, does it help now? No. And also, you know, this is no longer just a case of men using their words to hurt us. Like this is mm. becoming increasingly violent. It's an increasingly, yeah. it's a, I mean, it's a culture that I've spent way too much time now on Reddit and 4chan just kind of, again, almost, almost against my will learning too much about the ideology of like some of the more extreme groups and some of the things that, you know, we hear. And I just want to quickly offer a trigger warning for anyone who's listening. There may be some mention of sexual assault because that exists within the ideology of some of the more extreme incel groups. But, you know, reading the things that they want to do to women, the things that they feel that they're entitled to, like mandated what is it? Having a mandated partner? You're just entitled uh, yeah, to a partner. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're entitled to, I mean, was there something about sex slaves that there are some people who believe that men should be allowed to have sex slaves? They, they floated the idea of like sexual Marxism, like state assigned girlfriends or something. Unfucking believable. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And so reading all of this stuff and, and then also reading that a lot of these school shootings, a lot of these murders are often committed now increasingly committed more and more by young men who have spent a lot of time in kind of incel chat rooms like subscribing to and being indoctrinated into this ideology so this is becoming like really fucking scary 
and it's being perpetuated and like heavily perpetuated online by other men. Like they are dragging each other down further in these chat rooms with the comment sections. They are, they are, uh, making each other, in particular young men, like lose hope that they will ever step out of the incel existence. It's really, it's really, it's really wild to watch. Yes. I think, um, I mean, I agree with you that it's, that it's becoming like, well, it's become a frequent like source of violence of of murder. Um, I think like, I guess the first thing I want to say is that like, I think that this, you know, young men have always kind of been, I mean, this is the demographic from which soldiers have always been drawn. It's, it's like, it's, I mean, look at history, like, even the 9-11 like terror attacks like it wasn't like this kind of a kind of incel like frustration was not completely absent from the motivation for that i mean there was a lot of i'm not trying to reduce it just to that but i don't think it's new for like what do you mean how does in like how does incelism uh tie to like 9-11 or well i think like sexually frustrated young men have sort of done a disproportionate amount of the world's terror attacks Right. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be fair to say. Um, and I think like the, the way that, that, that the justification for this is articulated ch- changes from context to context. But I mean, I think there's like a real almost universal problem here that every society has to have something to do with these people. Like what do, like what do we do with them? Like what, um, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of dangerous almost to have like a lot of, uh, you know, young men with, I think, testosterone is a hell of a drug and to have, you know, you have to have something productive to do with this energy, this like frustrated desire, um, or else it can turn to this like ugly and violent thing. So, I mean, like religion traditionally is supposed to kind of deal deal with this, right? It's supposed to help people cope with uh, you know, craving, desire. Well, it, de- d- it depends. It depends on which, yeah. like, it depends on which subsect of religion, because in some of the more extreme religions, you know, I can speak, I guess, you know, from experiencing Islam growing up and obviously not all Islam, a lot of Islam, like Islam is, is deep. I'd say the vast majority of Islam is deeply like loving and, and healing and, and not, not meant to be antagonistic at all. But, you know, so within like the more kind of extremist groups, some of these young men who are sent out to harm mass groups of people are told that in exchange for their sacrifice, quote unquote, they will be given, you know, 70 virgins. It's very incel. Very um, incel. That's yeah, that's yeah. Pri- like huge incel energy. It's like, oh, I will be given 70 virgins. Also like what, like, oh, great. 70 people who don't know how to have sex. I don't yeah. know what the, like, I don't know what the, I, I, I was no good for a long time. Um, But my point being that like, what is your life that it's worth killing yourself and other people for this fantasy of all of this sex, this kind of limitless sex with limitless amounts of willing, untouched, pure women. I mean, well, if that's the promise, at least that like kind of makes sense from like a, um, I, I don't know, self-interested perspective where like at least there's a promise of pleasure. What's even more wild is when it's just purely negative. It's like there's nothing to be gained through this murder-suicide. It's just like vengeance, vengeance mm-hmm. against society, right? And some vague, I mean, it's almost like rage against the physical world itself. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's very important to sort of keep an eye on men who are kind of young men who are feeling this way because it can turn dangerous so easily. 
And like you say, like, yeah, religion, it can make things better. It can make things worse. There was an incel murderer in Florida this year who killed a bunch of, I think, mostly Asian women. Um, and his justification for this was like brooded in like fundamentalist Christianity as he sort of conceptualized women as temptations. Um, and so he blamed women for his desires for them and then My God. exacted vengeance through mass murder. Um, so that's kind of the, like the, <laughs> that's their rationalization of this. Um, but yeah, I think that it's the, the, the danger is when you have the, the, the ideology that like directs blame at people who you can kind of, who, who you could then f- begin to foster like vindictive feelings towards. I think that's kind of what generates a violent attitude. So this started with a woman, correct? A woman coined the term, a bisexual woman coined the term? That's right. Um, yeah, the, the term incel, I mean, despite what a lot what these men think, uh, men are not the only people who have difficulty dating. Yeah. Uh, I think it's actually quite common for women uh, to have difficulty dating. I haven't had really had much in the way of success myself. I think um, women, they, I think I, I can think of almost... I think basically zero cases of women who become murderers because of this, however. So that's worth examining because yeah. it does seem to have, it, because it's not just about frustrated desire. Plenty of women desires are frustrated as well. It has to do with how um, masculinity conceptualizes itself as under threat and how masculinity can kind of restore itself through violence at least that's 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 something that i noticed is like i don't know like for a lot of incels the pain of this it's it's beyond just frustrated desire it's also like it has to it's like it has to do with more basic ego feelings it's like what does their failure to date women say about them as men it says that they're not men or their failures as men yeah i i want to talk about some of the kind of like the the menu that exists within incel culture, like the different names they have for different people, just to kind of break down the ideology uh, kind of via the terminology. Um, Can you talk me through some of the sort of nicknames within the language? So, for example, calling women femoids, which is um, extraordinarily dehumanizing, uh, I think quite deliberately, maybe to make them feel less guilty about their kind of alienating of and dehumanizing of women. Well, it, like, femoid implies a, almost like assigning an alien existence yeah. to women as like something, some, I mean, and, and this was kind of an ancient part of misogyny, right? The idea that like women are sort of mysterious other beings beyond the comprehension of men. Uh, and I think that, that the function here is that, right, it does cause them to, 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 they stop seeing the shared humanity that exists between men and women and see women as something entirely other. Um, uh, so yeah, I, th- that, I think you're right. That, that it absolutely serves a kind of distancing, like the use of weird jargon in the place of the ordinary word women. And it, the jargon's always evolving. I think I got it. The last time I checked in, they had shortened it from femoid to foid. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that they've moved on to something else now. I mean, these are, I mean, that's some of one of the more humane, not humane, maybe humane oh, is yeah, the right gets, word, gets, but that's like one of the less, the less violent of, words. A lot uglier, yeah, a lot uglier yeah, there's a lot of bitch yeah. for 
cunt, etc. Yes. Et yes. Um, I couldn't believe what a roast he was. Uh, yeah. I learned that from your video. Um, you said in the video, I'm sorry to inform you, but it refers to the incel belief that the human vulva became mutilated through repeated penetration by different men. <laughs> Not through penetration with the same man. Yes. <laughs> Just uh, with different men and thereby they come to resemble, and I quote, roast beef. Yeah, Unbe- so there's, unbelie- yeah. Unbelievable. Well, there's a lot of like questionable female anatomy going on in these <laughs> circles. Um, but yeah, one of them, I mean, this, this is, it's not just insults. Like I think, I mean, didn't, I feel like most people probably knew a guy in high school who thought that women's would get somehow stretched out or loose physically through, um, through having sex with a lot of men. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's this sort of attempt to anatomically justify feelings of repulsion and resentment. Um, and rejection, yeah, ultimately. And rejection, yeah. Okay, so yeah. talk to me about what the Becky is. So they classify, um, they classify both men and women into kind of different, uh, I guess almost like archetypes of attractiveness. So okay. with women, you have like Stacy's and Becky's, for example. Um, Stacy's being archetypally, archetypally like the kind of um most attractive woman who uh, all men want and who are uh you know universally desired becky is a kind of more ordinary uh middling woman stacy is quite striking mm -hmm. and quite voluptuous in the kind of breast and buttock region but generally quite slender and then a becky doesn't necessarily have to have those same physical attributes yeah, well, I think a, a Becky is interested to be more plain, mm-hmm. um, and this is this is, I guess, important to them because the, I guess, the incels seem to, to believe that justice, <laughs> so sexual justice, would be that everyone everyone sleeps with people who are the same level of attractiveness as they are. Um, Right. But I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about this because I was thinking about that after I saw that in your video and I was like, that seems like a fine ideology. I mean, according to what fucking beauty standard though, that we even get to estimate like what is equal to what, what is attractive, what isn't attractive. But I find from what I've been looking at online is that it's a very specific type of woman who generally these young people want. And it's a, it's a type of woman that often doesn't exist that is made, created by, you know, Photoshop and filters online, like the beauty standards. I think, I think it would be hugely disingenuous for them to say that like, oh no, I'm not looking for a particular type of unachievable beauty standard. And like, there is a desire for a very, like they are from what I can see more so out there looking specifically for, to quote them, the Stacey. Do you know what I mean? They want an Emirata. Yes. They, so they're saying, oh, I'll, I would like to be with someone who is, like I said, how could, it's just so subjective, but someone who is as attractive as I am, but they are looking for truly like the most deemed societally kind of quote unquote, perfect woman to be on their arm. And so because they are only trying to date those women who just don't exist in enough numbers to be able to date all of the men, (laughs) um, and it's fucking ridiculous and reductive and awful. Uh, so I feel like some of the rejection also comes from the fact that they are seeking out this sort of almost like digitally altered, digitally produced version of a woman. And that contributes further to perhaps their lack of success because those are, those women are few and far between if, if they exist at all, naturally. 
Yeah, so it's definitely worth keeping in mind that incels are, by definition, men who have never had sex with a woman. So all of their ideas about women and about sex are pretty heavily based in speculation and fantasy. And porn, I imagine. Porn must be playing a part in this culture. So uh, I do think that, yeah, a lot of things they say really have no correspondence to like anyone's actual experience with the world or with normal human beings. It's, it is, it is kind of this, yeah, construct of like pornography and internet memes that has, uh, but I think, um, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know that it's true that the incels only want to be with Stacey's. I think what they think they want, they think that they want women who are equally attractive as them to be into them. And they seem to think that they, the, the terrible injustice is that women only want to be with chads. So I think, I think, I think maybe what they're doing it, I mean, maybe they're projecting their own selectiveness onto women. And, and because the complaint is that women only want to date the most attractive men. Um, and so they have no chance because women will only date men more attractive than they are. Um, lol. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, cause talk to me about what a chad, what a chad is. So like, like they have, like they classify women into, um, Becky's and Stacy's. They'll classify men into different categories. A chad is their sort of archetype of the like very attractive masculine man who all women want to be with and who incels are sort of, they fundamentally understand themselves in this, like, as belonging to an inferior caste. So they, they kind of, it's like they have, there's an intense level of envy, right? Towards, the chads right towards mm-hmm. like a, a or attractive men but a lot of times incels will even you know it's not that you have to be a chad to to have to date women it's that uh i, I guess there's like an it's, it's you have to have a chad chad you have to be a chad to have as you know a, 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 ben- a relationship that benefits you mm. because they think that um and again like very sinister motives are assumed on the part of women they think that if you're not a chad if you're a beta and women date you, they, the women must be only doing it from, for money. So they believe that marriage is like some kind of matriarchal sham designed to, uh, you know, turn beta, beta males into cash cows, basically. Famously, women are so happy in marriages. Um, yeah, the, so the, the, sure, the, yeah. The female institution of marriage designed by women. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I heard you talking about the fact that there's like a belief system that, I think it was you who said this, that, uh, as Stacy, she'll go out with a beta, take all of his money because she's only with him for the money, and then leave him for a Chad with all of his money. Is that correct? That's like one of the the kind of uh, the fear mongering beliefs. I think they think that anyway. They, they think that any woman will do that. She doesn't have to be. She doesn't have to be Stacy's level. I think. I think they think that. Um, yeah, absolutely. One of the fear mongering beliefs is that like the average normie man will basically like throw himself on the sword, like working for for a woman who will eventually leave him. Uh, Yeah. Because, because the whole thing is, it is kind of rooted in this like insecurity that gets projected. So they don't think they did this. They did this. There's just this assumption that no woman would stay with them almost. It's um, uh, although I guess they, if they think they're insults, they don't think women would be with them in the first place, but even the men who are slightly above them, they think, well, the only reason any woman would want them is 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 for is for the cash. 
this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Talk to me about the appearance of a chad. What creates a chad? There's a lot of it that's in bone structure, correct? Yeah, the very fifth book succeeded in bone structure. I, I'd say that it's like a strong jawline, um, heavy brow ridge, kind of t- tall height. Oh my God, God, the height is a big thing for them. Um, so preferably six feet tall or more, um, masculine sort of build, I guess is, is, in, I mean, there, there was a, I haven't, I haven't, if I haven't looked at these communities in a while, to be honest, but like what well, last I was checking in, there was, um, I mean, there was kind of a, this like body, dysmorphia that was, that, that was the product of this that was leading to some like plastic surgeries of what essentially must like facial masculinization. So chin implants, things like that, things that end up making a face more masculine because not again, not, not, and then the, and the structure of an insult's justification for this is like, it's not like, oh, this makes me feel more comfortable or it makes me feel more attractive. It's no, this is like what's scientifically calculated to attract women. Like that's the kind of way that they think about plastic surgery. Yeah. Talk to yeah. me about the skull, the, like the sort of, 
I'm just, I'm so yeah. fascinated about how the human skull plays into this and how that kind of is consistent with other forms of discrimination that we have around people. Well, I think that, um, I mean, obviously there's kind of an ugly history of like skull measuring in science. I mean, like racist science of the 19th century was heavily based around skull analysis. So I, I think that. What was the belief back then about skulls? Um, well, in the 19th, I mean, 19th century, like, you know, race, I guess really racist science, like they, they, they sort of thought that you could classify human racial skull types that showed some kind of prog like progression to more civilized skulls of the European, um, type, which also was often the kind of based on like Greek sculpture rather than actual human anatomy and like, uh, so it does, I guess there is a kind of echo of that in what incels are saying. So talk to me about how the skull is given a kind of importance within incel standards. Well, I think um, it's a kind of botched analysis of beauty standards, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I think like what you, what you were saying about, you know, there's a feminist tradition of critiquing um, you know, beauty standards for women that are sort of prom promoted in advertising and using Photoshop and so on. I think that you could probably apply something like that to beauty standards that exist for men. Um, I mean, I think, I think, especially in like the last decade, like Hollywood has kind of moved towards this ideal male body that's very, unobtainable mm -hmm. um so you could talk about that. that's not really what they talk about though do we blame I, the hemsworths yeah. i blame the hemsworths yeah i think i think that was probably a devastating blow to a lot of men yeah yeah okay fucking hemsworth <laughs> sorry go on <laughs> but um yeah they, they, I, I guess they, i guess they tend to i think i think part of the appeal of the talking about obsessing about the skull is that there's something kind of unchangeable uh bone right so i mean it's the same it's the same reason that like race science gravitated towards this is that you're looking for something sort of essential that explains your position in a hierarchy. It can't so, be subjective. Yeah. It's just sort of like physical and factual and scientific. And it can't be changed. Yeah. So, you know, you can't do anything about your skull. I guess uh, some of them do attempt this plastic surgery stuff, but most people can't do anything about your skull. Um, so you just have to accept that you're just genetically incapable of being loved by a woman. And that's kind of the conclusion that that's their, that's they call the black pill. That's their like doomer conclusion where they decide that because of their, you know, genetic features, height, skull shape, whatever, that that's why they'll just never succeed. I want to talk about the black pill in a second, but I also just kind of want to run through just for the audience. And if you can jump in, if you think I've missed anything, but I mean, how far this language goes, uh, there are height cells due to their inferior stature, mental cells due to mental illness or autism, drug cells due to drug addiction, wrist cells, where they feel as though they are doomed by their overly delicate wrists, which I found to be more extraordinary in yeah, like how it's, much it's, these people are torturing themselves it gets pretty funny i mean i mean it's, it's terrible for them but yeah it's if I'm, I, I find the concept of a wrist cell to be hilarious but yeah they're, <laughs> it they're, is. They're, yeah they're torturing themselves absolutely i mean they, they 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 worry that something like the average dildo has got more girth than their wrist and therefore that would contribute we're not laughing we're um, 
we're just exploring <laughs> but it's just like that is so that's so extreme and by the way women are having earlobe plasty you know let's all just yeah. calm down about thinking that men are being ridiculous because or men have ridiculous standards now or some men do because we're getting our, our armpits lift, lifted you know yeah. I've, I've someone was i was joking about my sort of uh armpit vagina with someone and they were like oh you know you can get something done for that and i was like fuck off i don't want anything d- done for it yeah. I was just commenting that it looked a little bit like a vagina it was only a matter of time before it bled out onto men as well. Not to say yeah. incels are only men. There's, but there's this something, is a there's something increasingly universal about this kind of thinking or this kind of self torture. Yeah, I think it's like I don't know, human. Like we're not humans are not we're not supposed to be photographed six hundred times a month. Like the, this this kind of thing is new, and like I don't I don't think it's going well. Like I think that constantly having to like take pictures of document yourself, yourself, document yourself, constantly see images of yourself. This, it can't be good. I think that this kind of, this element of the insult, like this, like sort of obsessing over your own appearance and like your deficiencies, like this is not something at all unique to incels. I mean, I would say that if anything, it's probably more common among women than men. I think that what, what is kind of like fascinating about incels is like the solipsism of their particular concerns and the way that they, in a lot of ways, don't actually correspond to even any social beauty standards, like the wrist cell thing, like, I never noticed a man's Are wrist there ever in my life. Beauty standards around the side of the girth of a man's wrist. Like, I don't really think that this is something that the culture emphasizes. So this is like, a, they're, like they're on their own like head trip about wrist size. That a hundred, a hundred percent. And it's, it's really, it's really, it just, it, what it says is that they're not only not having sex with women, but yeah. it feels like they don't know any women. Like it feels like they're not talking to women because these are not the things. It's not to say that women can't be aesthetically focused in what they're looking for in a partner for either sex or relationship, but fucking hell, like no woman I know is really that concerned. Like there are other emotional uh, needs that we wish to be met by a partner or, you know, humor or ambition or all like, like it's very nuanced and colorful and very, it's like a whole spectrum of different things that women are looking for and men, not a fucking bone structure, not like, not height. I mean, obviously height is a huge issue that we need to stop fucking dogging men over, but um, yeah, sometimes, sometimes there's like a grain of truth to what they're talking about. Like, I think the height thing, I do, I yeah. do think like there is. As soon as of, I said it, I caught yeah, myself and I was like, yeah. mm, I've seen so many things being like six foot or over on Tinder, which makes me feel really sad. Yeah, there is like, I mean, women worry about it too. Like, they're women, straight women don't want to date um, a man who's shorter than them. And, uh, I don't know. People, people, it's a thing people worry about. I think, but yeah, I think that, you know, if, if, if you do, if you, if you, if you spend time living, you'll notice that there's a lot of men who are having very successful relationships with women. And a lot of these men are not very beautiful. Um, so I, I do think that, I think that physical appearance actually matters less for, for men than it does for women in this area. And I think that, um, but you know, if you bring this up with incel, they immediately change the subject to, and say, well, those men are rich or those men are, you know, the, are, are celebrities or those men are, they have some other thing that is the reason, even though the entire thing that they were just saying was all about how the only thing that matters is physical appearance. Um, I think that that's, well, they're looking at that man yeah. as, a, as a normie who's a mug who's been taken yeah. for a ride by a Becky or a Stacey. I can't believe I'm starting to use these terms. It's like, I, I understand them. I speak the language now. Um, yeah, I was really amazed to, to learn about the, um, the 
rather astonishing different names for um, incels. Because, I mean, these kind of Chad, Becky, Stacey, these are quite white names. These are Caucasian yeah. names. And, and this feels like they're referring to Caucasian people. I also feel like whenever I'm thinking of an incel, in my head, it is often a young white straight man. Um, but there are incels from different countries. Of course, of course there are. And so they even have really uh, unbelievably derogatory or reductive and embarrassing names for those people. I'm going yeah. to re repeat them uh, with much embarrassment and Natalie shall be listening with much embarrassment, but a black <laughs> cell, a rice cell to refer to Asians, curry cell to refer to South Asians. Um, and then they have the, the chads of those demographics would be Tyrone, Changs or Chad Preets. I mean, for fucks, for fuck's sake, this is so detailed. Like again, like they've they, they've again come on to like hit upon something where there's like there could be a real basis for some kind of critique here. Like obviously, people how, dating is going to intersect with race in a way that is going to reflect social prejudice. Yeah, but I feel but the way incels tend to do is they sort of reproduce. That they just sort of reproduce that prejudice in their own vocabulary, uh, yeah. rather than like really challenging it. Uh, I mean, of course, the whole point of incels is not to challenge it. It's not really to challenge anything. It's to spiral into a into a funnel of of doom and despair. So, right? speaking of which, yeah. right? Talk to me um, about what the red pill is. What's the red pill? Well, the red pill is a kind of more broad, like internet manosphere kind of term that. I mean, obviously it comes from the Matrix, which is, and the Matrix is like a Rorschach ink blot that anyone can read anything into apparently. But I think that um, basically it means embracing like politically incorrect ideas about dating. So the idea that, you know, the the way to get with women is to ignore feminism and to, you know, learn pickup artist techniques, for example, um, that I would say that's like being bred to pill or that like this idea that, well, well, women just want to take your money. So you have to take that into consideration. That's being red pilled. This, um, it's, it's sort of just d dismissal of, of what, if anything, they consider politically correct ideas when it, when it comes to dating. The idea that what really matters is your personality. That's a blue pilled idea where the red pilled idea is that what really matters is your skull. Um, so, I, I would say that that's kind of where it starts, but you can be sort of red-pilled and not an incel. You can be, for example, I feel like I haven't heard of a pickup artist in a while, but it was a big thing. I'm fascinated. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and in fact, I met someone recently, I worked with someone who had resorted to reading and learning and becoming a pickup artist. Will you explain what the, what like this iteration of pickup artist means? Well, they basically were men who decided to try to gamify dating, where they would kind of, uh, I mean, like the, the, this goes back to what, late, the late 2000s, the book, The Game. Um, I mean, it was, it basically, they, they refer to it as game, right? It's like techniques for basically sleeping with as many women as possible, as fast as possible. But kind of tricking and manipulating them, yeah, playing mind games more or with them. Whatever means necessary. No attempt to build real relationships with people. No attempt to build any kind of human connection. Purely an attempt to kind of psychologically Conquer. maneuver someone into sleeping with you. Um, that's generally how it's approached, yeah. Yeah, I remember um, I was on my lunch break when I was like 20 uh, in Covent Garden in London. And this guy 
came up to me and did like a full routine on me. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear that he wasn't listening to my answers. Yeah. He was carrying on with his script. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of negging, you know, as in kind of, I, th- I can't remember exactly what that is. But it feels like kind of like prodding and provoking someone and making fun of them a little bit to make them feel smaller and make them then kind of, I don't know, uh, try to impress you. Um, and so he was doing a bit of that and it was just like very odd prescribed behavior. And so finally I just sort of called him on it and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not even listening to me. I, I feel no connection with you right now. Like you're like, is this a, am I being filmed? What's happening? And he just sort of broke. He was a young man and he was like, I'm sorry, I've just done a course called the game. Um, where they've done, they've got these courses based on the book, The Game, which is all about this kind of practice of, you know, being a pickup artist. And they train these men for two weeks and then take them out into the wild, so to speak. And they give them a challenge of getting like three women's phone numbers uh, every lunch break and being able to sleep with this many women per week. It's a full group of men and then they come back and regroup together. I mean, it's fucking terrifying. And this was how he was spending his day. Like he was just doing the same thing to three to five women every single lunch break, just trying to see which one it would work on and not caring if he strikes out, just moving on to the next. Yeah. I mean, some of, some of what they say has like some basis in real psychology. Like it's true that, I mean, like on some level, like I think on, on some people, nagging probably works. Like you, if you yeah. make someone feel sort of insecure, like they have to earn you, you know, your affection or they have to earn your respect even. Then yeah. I think on a lot of people that does have the effect that like you kind of do start getting worried what they think about you and you want to like make them like you and things like that. Yeah. My friend was ignored for three days by a girl and it's like, he instantly became 10 times more attracted to her. And I was so angry with him. It's so interesting. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it wouldn't be so successful. These, but these, this isn't, this isn't as niche as one might think. The game was a huge cultural shift and the pickup artist is also read by, subscribed to by millions of people around the world. Well, anytime you have something that a lot of people want and can't have, you'll have an industry appearing sooner or later that attempts to solve it for for you. And so that's definitely what, I mean, there's a lot of men who want to know how to date women. And like, unfortunately, this is the thing that has kind of appeared to try to make that happen. Um, You know, I think like a lot of times when it's men who are not very experienced in relationships and things like they sort of maybe don't even have because like inevitably these people end up discovering how unfulfilling it is to just treat people as objects and try to gamify relationships. And like, um, you know, most pickup artists at some point end up renouncing it. Um, I, I think was his name, Neil Strauss. Is that an mm-hmm. author of the game? I, I think he eventually sort of recanted. Um, and I, Too I know, late. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I know another one who like, you know, became like a religious conservative and, and was like, Oh, I, I now want a monogamous wife and I will only marry a woman who's virgin. And, and because of course, right. Um, oh my God. And so I think, um, yeah, I, I think that, it, I mean, how could it possibly be satisfying in the long term to, to basically treat dating like cigarettes? Right? <laughs> I mean, like a quick hit of this pleasure that, you know, then immediately gets, thrown to the curb. So tell me what a black pill is. What's the black pill? Well, black pill is like, is like embracing total like hopelessness and nihilism about dating. So if you, if you've taken the red pill and you accept that, Oh, 
the cold reality is that all that matters is how you look and that women are these manipulators and all, so on, then the black pill is understanding that you as an incel are sort of by nature an inferior class of being. There's not really anything you can do about it. You can't improve. You can't do better. Your skull is just bad. I'm so sorry. Like, you know, no one will ever want you and you just have to, uh, you know, you just because have of to, your jawline, because of yeah. your height, because mm-hmm. of whatever may be going on with you that society has deemed or that you have deemed inferior, you're hopeless, you'll never be loved. Yeah, Jesus that's, Christ. That's basically it, yeah. That's such a terrible thing for any, like all of the, the awful ideology aside, just to try to activate a- any like salvageable en- empathy here. It's fuck like what struck me aside from how scary it was is how sad it is. Yeah, like, it's how, very, very miserable. How dangerous this you know and I've written about this before in essays um that I that I fear that men fear their redundancy with women because women no longer need men and so it's a matter of actually being wanted there was it was so much easier to be needed to have us be dependent upon them for shelter for safety for food and now we have postmates and doors and locks and windows and there are less at least tigers around (laughs) most of us to harm us you know we are generally we are generally safer and more independent at least in you know uh, many parts of the west or many parts of the world and so because we don't need them anymore and there's very little emphasis put on you know in our society put on put upon the relationship between men and women like the companionship the the work relationships the things that we can build together societally there's no fiction really about that in the film about that the woman and the man always end up getting together even if they just start off as best friends or allies trying to get laid at a wedding or whatever the fuck the friendship arc is we don't have a lot of literature about the importance of companionship between men and women that doesn't just have to be romantic and so so many men I know or maybe not the people that I'm friends with because obviously they know that there's value to you know a woman's company outside of just sex but a lot of men that I have met fundamentally still believe that men and women can't be friends and that that's not what that their personalities and their qualities are not worth anything if they can't provide and protect yeah i think that's a pretty i think that's a pretty deep uh, observation about like where a lot of this comes from is that i think yeah fear of redundancy is a good way to put it like i think um yeah, masculinity as it has sort of been conceived in past decades or centuries isn't really need, need necessary anymore mm. um in a lot of in a lot of contexts so there's a sense of purposelessness, and I think um, I think that it especially is acute when it comes to to you know dating. And I I remember there was like on the subreddit Ask Men, which is a very general subreddit. There was like I think there was a question I saw like I think it was like last year. It was like what is the one thing that you want you know in relationships that you that you don't feel like you get and. I guess the question was addressed to straight men and, and the top upvoted answer was, I want to feel desired or desirable. And so that, which is like sort of not conventionally, like wanting to feel desirable is not, or wanting to feel desired is not really 
understood as a masculine trait, right? It's men are supposed to desire women and women are supposed to want to be desired, right? But I think that a lot of men, because they kind of don't have that sense that they're bringing, you know, this like traditional provider role to the relationship, they don't know what they are bringing. And so they, they yeah, they, they, there's like, that's, I think, maybe the source of a lot of this despair. And not to be um, dangerously uh, nuanced about this, because nuance is becoming less and less welcome in our current society. But also there is like this odd paradigm shift that we are kind of right in the middle of, which is that, bear with me, I'm just figuring this out as I'm going along. So this is considering what my life has been like on Twitter, this is probably going to be a mess, but I'm going to just try it. Um, Okay. So what I'm trying to say is that I feel as though men are suddenly recognizing that women don't want to be hit on all of the time. We do not want to be shown constant attention and aggressive attention and, and that sometimes we can find them coming onto us are cumbersome or intimidating or scary or just a problem. Um, and there are huge problems within it. For example, the fact that you have to even lie and say you have a boyfriend when someone's asking you out rather than just say, I'm not interested because, you know, you're afraid they might be violent and awful to you and that they respect that you belong to another man and therefore they might leave you alone rather than just your own autonomy to decide not to date them. It's so fucking problematic. But at the same time, we don't really have a normalized societal system for women then, if, you know, expressing their interest first with men. Women have often, like back in, back in my day, were considered crazy and desperate if they were to be the ones to dare to approach a man. And so we're in this weird moment of like, okay, so great. We have kind of created a boundary between men approaching women, somewhat at least. We've interrupted it at least. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Did any of that make sense? Oh yeah, completely. I mean, I mean, I think that I think daily dating is completely fucked at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think that's I, a much I, much yeah. clearer way of what I was saying. <laughs> I, I think that like there's no script. People don't know what to do. Um, I mean, well, as far as how do we, how do we fix it? Well, I think the new scripts kind of need to be developed because, I mean, like, I mean, I'm I'm a, a woman attracted to women, so like. If, if you're gay, there's never, there's always, it's, it's, there's always been this problem, like, which is like, you have to figure it out for yourself because society doesn't tell you how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. but now I'm going to be like straight people increasingly are in a, also kind of don't know what to do and they don't have a script either. So I think, um, you know, what I would say is that it helps you have to, scripts have to be developed. And like, one of the key things is that, um, I agree that it would be good. Yeah. If it, if it would be normalized, if, you know, women can also initiate that's in there to be nothing unusual or, or shameful about that. Um, I think also like people have to be in order for people to feel like they're not being uh, predatory by asking someone out, you, you have to be assured that the person you're asking can safely and comfortably say no. Um, so that's important, right? Like, yeah. And that's a whole other conversation about consent, rejection, understanding, hyper normalizing rejection from a young age, which I think is really important, not just how to give it, but also how to take it. Yes. Mostly how to take it. mm -hmm. Yeah. But but both are important. Mm -hmm. I think, um, because I think, well, there's, there's, there's two sides to it. One is, yeah, you have like you people really, I mean, especially I think still men, boys need to be taught that like, no is no. The, the, the way this game is not the, the game is not going to work the way it used to work where no means keep trying right which i think is, is something that was considered normal 
as, as recently as 10 years ago. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have to also be able to stand up for yourself. You just know how to say no, because I think some people don't, aren't good at that. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. We just, again, like we've just been kind of left in the dark around these like hugely, um, important areas, like areas where if they're not given the correct instruction and attention can lead to interactions, behaviors, conversations that can be like damaging for our society in the long, we've seen it was literally damaging our society in the long term. And I just want to be clear that if it sounds like I'm taking like a very sympathetic or like trying to see things through their eyes and that is offending you, I totally understand that. Please know I'm not pro incel, red pill, black pill, any of the pills. Um, I'm, I'm purely trying the approach of trying to understand this issue that needs to be resolved for everyone's benefit. I'm just trying to see where they're coming from because it isn't okay. But as you said, that within all of their obscene ideologies, there is like a a rice grain of truth somewhere in there that just gets bastardized along the way because it's being met with pain, trauma, rejection. And so then it never like the the grain of truth never really like gets to be realized as like oh shit okay this is what we need to change in our society this is what we need to educate kids around this is these are the toxic gender norms that are affecting everyone it just becomes about blame and shame and uh sadness justin and so good thousands of summer deals at your nordstrom rack store save up to 60 percent on new arrivals from vince Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. What do we do, Natalie? As the global expert and ambassador uh, on the subject of incels, no, I'm joking. But um, what do you think we should do? Um, well, I think that your analysis of it as the, the, the incel ideology it has nothing actionable about it, right? There's nothing, that's what black pill means, is that there's nothing you can do. Um, this is an ideology of resentment. It has to be recognized as being that, as being, as being basically this, you know, posturing against their own sense of hopelessness. Um, that's not helpful, right? I think that a lot of things that we've discussed are kind of um, identifying problems that have potential solutions, right? When it comes to things like developing alternative scripts, as opposed to just critiquing the previous ones. I think that, you know, uh, it's, it's difficult exactly to say like, oh, who, whose job is it to do that? How does that be done? I mean, I personally think that like sex education should be like a much expanded and much more developed and sophisticated part of education. Fortunately, the political will for that is tough because of reactionary puritanical nonsense so it's hard to actually like but it's like without that i don't know then it's just education via movies and porn and it's like 
which is all a fantasy. Yeah. It's all a patriarchal, <laughs> predominantly patriarchal, misguided fantasy that is designed like it's a capitalist system that does, is designed to make us feel as though what we have isn't enough. So we should always be striving. And if we're always striving, then we will keep consuming content that reaffirms that this this fantasy could be a reality for these two fucking fictitious characters. Uh, and so it keeps us thinking like, oh, I will be able to uh, get that girl or I, the girl, will be able to get the bad boy who treats me like shit and turn him around and turn him overnight into a sensitive, caring being who's going to be there for me. Like all these, all this bullshit is fed to us through media and through pornography in a much more problematic way. And so it kind of reinforces this. We have to have more social education outside of just sex and relationships, like generally just how to interact with each other just as friends. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of trace a lot of the issue back to the fact that there's like decreasingly any sense that you can have. I mean, like, look at like the trajectory of like children's television, for example, over the last three decades, like the idea that you can, that, that there's any kind of responsibility to provide for, for media to do something beyond stimulate desire and inform like addictive loops of consumption. Like, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, ed- education absolutely does not prepare people for that. And so, I mean, you end up, we end up, you don't end up doing education, like, you know, there are, you, can, you can do something about it, I guess, as an individual, if you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, like that you, there's kind of ways to fill in, to attempt to fill. You and I are gaps. on the front lines, mate. <laughs> but, uh, but it's like, it's like, you can't, I mean, that's not, it's kind of not enough because most people are not going to watch that. And, and I think when it comes to something as basic and as vital as like, you know, like what we were talking about, about rejection and consent and things like these, these things, I, I really passionately think that should be part of universal education. And it so isn't. Like, I, I don't I mean, I don't know if it's any better than when it was when I was a teenager. No, it isn't. Don't they think, don't touch don't it. There wasn't a word about consent. And the, like, well, the problem is, yeah. it's, a, it's a generation yeah. who was never taught about it being expected yeah. to now educate right. the next generation around yeah. it. It's like no one has the vocabulary. We have to start now. I have a more controversial question just to mm-hmm. end um, on getting myself in as much trouble as possible, potentially. Um, I Go wrote uh, I wrote a post and it was heavily circulated um, about incel culture. And I'd say the like hundreds of thousands of people agreed with me. But there were some people who got angry with me for this post. Classic me. Um, So I said, this was after the murdering of uh, a mother in Plymouth and I think some other women by an incel, by a a man, I think maybe in his late 20s or 30s, um, who subscribed to incel ideology, I think quite black pill, um, this hopeless uh, incel culture. I said, incel culture is born of bad parenting. I wasn't specifically meaning his mother. I was talking about incel culture at large. I said, incel culture is born of bad parenting, delusional pornography, toxic masculinity, no education around consent, no education around rejection, Hollywood fantasies of women in love and male entitlement, patriarchy, toxic media, loneliness, um, lack of mental health funding and support and Reddit. (laughs) Uh, That was my exact post. I feel like I've crossed off a lot of the things that you and I have been discussing here. Um, But the thing that pissed some people off and I understand I do understand why but I don't agree with it is when I said lack of mental health funding or support I was kind of shut down at even being allowed 
to suggest that there is a a mental health issue amongst men at large that is not being looked at. We're seeing the, the rising statistics of violence. I think something like two thirds of gun violence is men shooting themselves, mm-hmm. committing suicide. We are seeing that men's mental health is on like this, like a fast decline. And so perhaps when we read these you know, when you read the stories of these incels online, when they're talking to themselves or to each other, it is depression, anxiety, uh, hopelessness, uh, sometimes suicidal ideation. I don't believe that just bringing up the fact that potentially these men aren't just randomly born evil, that maybe they are struggling with mental health issues like depression, anxiety, etc., I don't th- I don't think that suggesting that should then be framed as me saying then as me kind of stigmatizing mentally ill people that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah, so I think something people that people need to realize is that for every incel who goes on a murder rampage there's you know 20,000 who will never do anything of the kind mm-hmm. but who are living lives of sort of despair despair yeah yeah and so i think that i mean, I mean it, there has to be something yeah. wrong with you to believe these like fucking wild things that they believe you know these belief systems this terminology like these rules they have are just like, really delusional and and sometimes like slightly and i don't mean to sound awful but like slightly deranged like they don't make any yeah. sense well, I think that, that there does need to be a kind of like therapeutic approach to people who fall into this kind of stuff because it is, like you say, it is like a delusional and irrational and like unclear thinking. Mm. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's it, un, irrational, unclear thinking is something that you can kind of like, you can sort of work someone out of if you have, if there's someone there to intervene, but there isn't a lot of the time. Yeah, Absolutely. But more importantly, and because what I'm talking about is how incel culture is born. I'm more so not, I'm not even just talking about the therapeutic aspect of once someone has become an incel, then reforming them, which I also think is like incredibly valuable and important and kind of vital for our safety. Unfortunately, I'm talking about these men would not be susceptible to this culture as easily if they were more stable, if we had more resources, more children's education, more counselling in schools, more ability to spot this loneliness, this depression, this isolation, this, you know, feeling of um, uh, irredeemable despair. If we had more systems set up to support young people, and I, I understand the frustration because it's like women aren't going out here and doing all of this. Like we have way more stacked up against us and we also don't have mental health resources and we also don't have counselling. And yet we're not going around murdering, mass murdering people. But women are also, this is the, the one slight pressure release is that we are encouraged to talk about our feelings, at least with one another. Men yeah. do not have that. And I don't think it's helpful to look at them all as just evil and scary and malicious and not at all people who might have been ill or unstable and vulnerable, therefore, to this indoctrination. Because a well person would look at this shit and be like, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think that it does, uh, that you're right, that something about masculinity and 
uh, I mean, because in a sense, like incels, when they post on these forums, like that is their way of talking about their feelings, mm. but it's kind of not the way that you would talk about them to a friend. I do think being able to, I think having friends that you can talk to is vital. And by friends, I do not mean people on Reddit who will say, conform all your worst fears and accelerate your, your, your deep sink into a pit of, of, of hopelessness because that's what they do. Like it's, it's like a, um, I mean, the way like cults always work is like by preying on people who like lack community or lack friendship, lack who are lonely. Um, and that, that's kind of what happens with these online communities is instead of like, you know, responding to a person clearly crying out in pain, instead of responding by in a way that would be constructive in a way that a friend would respond by kind of getting you to, to see Oh, hope to, to, I can you see hope and getting you to, to, to try to encourage you to, you know, build self-esteem. Instead, they just crush you down deeper and deeper and deeper. That's not, that's not friendship. That's not, these people aren't your friends. People in this community are not, they're not helping you. They don't have your interests in mind. So they want to kind of keep each other know. down and build a kind of community right. and, and stop anyone yeah. from like leaving the incel culture, especially right. like black yeah. pill, like the way that people talk to each other. These men, mm-hmm. it's not actually women who are abusing no. these men online it's other men abusing them being like looking at photographs of them being like you will never be successful you will never yeah. have this like give up now like it's men dragging other men further down and like and almost making like tattooing on them the fact that they have no way out of this because they want to keep the community strong yeah i think that's a really important point that this is abusive Right. These communities are abusive to their own members. And, and I mean, look at the way that they talk about themselves and talk about, I mean, if you talked, if you talked about, if you talk about anyone that this way, that this is an abusive way of talking about it, you're fundamentally unlovable. That's an abusive way to talk about someone. Um, and the fact that there's whole communities where it's just normal to talk about each other in these abusive ways, like that's, you know, that, that means people need to be helped to see that for what it is. If I may, um, you brought up an amazing point in your video, amongst many other amazing points, but you talked about the fact that I think it was on 4chan, there's a, there's a, a kind of sub-channel called TTTT that is regarding the trans, so like a, a section of the trans community yeah. where some people upload photographs of themselves and other people kind of comment on them and, and you noticed that there was like a vague correlation between the people and the way they speak to each other there and incel culture is that correct it's, it's, it's almost identical like right. it's obviously like the, the, speci- the specifics of the concerns are, are, are different but i mean there's there's like a, tra- a trans section of 4chan which is basically just trans incels in terms of like the, the exact same kinds of concerns and the exact same abusive way of talking about each but other the other way around about themselves yeah but it, but it just happens to target the concerns of trans women as opposed to targeting the concerns of men um but it may as well be the same thing the exact same kind of like endless doubling down on hopelessness and self-loathing yeah to the point that you end up with this like deeply distorted view of yourself and d- deeply distorted view of each other and no one is hitting the brakes no one is saying touch grass no, no one is saying um you know this is not a constructive type of criticism. No one is saying this is not a realistic perspective. Everyone is kind of enabling everyone else's worst impulses until it becomes, you know, this, this, uh, whirlpool of, of, of hopelessness. You talked about spending a lot of time on those sites. Um, and you talked about the fact, I don't know, I don't remember if you said that you ever uploaded your own photograph onto any of those sites, but I know that photographs of you through your transition 
circulated and you were kind of hailed as an example of a very flattering like example of like you know ah oh, this this is the type of femme i guess standard to aspire towards but what did that site ever do to your self confidence especially you know during your you know transition um i think that there was a there was a kind of brief period of about 6 months where i had a sort of almost addictive relationship to that kind of um community uh where you know i think i think in part of the appeal of, of it is that you you kind of come to suspect that in these like so so suppose suppose you're you're a trans person who spends too much time on the internet um i mean there's different parts of the internet you can you can go to at the time trans twitter was very um well underground the, the, the word was like very, I was going to say it's very like SJW, so-called, right? So it was all kind of based on sloganeering, these sort of self-affirmative sloganeering, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is like, if you're, if you have like a dark and depressive tendencies, you can be, you'll become jaded from that at some point and you'll suspect that there's, you're having thoughts that are not being expressed in, in the legitimate spaces. So you end up going to these, like, you end up going to the filthy basement of the internet and you express your dark thoughts there. And there's something, there's kind of an initial rush, I guess, of being able, of being able to say and find other people saying these, like, for, I mean, this is like, I'm basically describing the thrill of being red-pilled just in a, a different context, right? It's, it's, the, it's the thrill of, like... Of getting, getting something to, off your chest. Yeah, getting something off your chest, exactly. It's, it's it, feeling like you're saying the way it really is instead of this politically correct nonsense, right? So I, I think all kinds of different people find this kind of thing to be thrilling. Um, I feel like if it stopped there, it wouldn't, there would be nothing wrong about it. But if you become like kind of hooked on it to the point where you're returning to these spaces and they become thus, you know, this just becomes what you believe, then, and like, obviously then the problems that we've already discussed begin to apply, which is, um, you know, this is, it's anti-therapy is what it is. Because in therapy, you would, you would, you would say these kinds of thoughts to a therapist and then your therapist, if they're a good therapist, will kind of back you away from the edge, right? Yeah, they challenge like, you. Yeah, they would challenge you, push back against the more irrational things, push back against the the, the, the overly negative self-talk and the self-abuse. And the, they would they would show you the way that you're thinking is kind of self-destructive and, and sort of uh, not helpful to you. But instead, in these spaces, all of your worst tendencies are encouraged. And, and so you it snowballs. And I mean, I found it so interesting learning mm -hmm. that, you know, again, things that I hadn't really, when I was thinking about intel culture, I'd kind of forgotten about the pressure on trans women in particular, but also trans men, I guess, like to have a certain delicate bone structure, delicate nose, like a delicate brow bridge and all these kind of the exact opposites of the things that are required for yeah. the chad and like certain feminizations of the face, uh, according to current social or like societal standards and so there are people similarly to in black pill shaming women saying that you will never look like a real woman you will always just look like a man in drag and you want like your face shape is the wrong shape your jawline is too broad blah 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 and just yeah, that's, decimating that's the, the, exact, the exact tone of it yeah decimating each other's confidence just being like give up now just go back to just living your life as a as the gender you don't subscribe to because that's the only place you're going to fit in. I mean, so just breeding so much hopelessness and pain and, and it, 
it did really frame it interestingly to to hear this community that I think traditionally at least those of us who aren't total fucking bastards have much more kind of like openness and sympathy towards and more kind of like hope to understand the fact that you drew that parallel between those expectations and that treatment and what's happening to some young men within the black pill community and incel community was like extraordinarily kind of it just sort of shook my framing of it and opened my mind and I really thank you for being so open yeah I'm 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 glad I put that part of the video in I think at the time it it was simply that I just happened as I was when I was making that video this was 2017 I happened to just notice that there was this kind of interesting parallel between the way these incel forms work and this other thing I'd kind of been struggling with in my life and so but I think, yeah, making that connection made me, made me more like, um, s- s- come off as a more sympathetic narrator, maybe. Whereas, whereas it's kind of the opposite of what people usually do with incels, which is just, t- which is just tell them, stop being like this. I hate you. And, and then that's kind of as far as it gets. Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. And I'm totally guilty of that as well. And I think after yeah. that last murder, I was like, okay, I like what, am I as an individual and an individual with a big platform doing to stop this or help this? Not much. And so that was part of why bringing back that old video and bringing you in to kindly educate me about this and educate all of us about this was so important to me because if we don't examine and understand this, we're not going to know how to stop it and we have to stop it mm-hmm. because this is just like a an ever-growing downward spiral and I cannot imagine how much it grew during the pandemic. When everyone was just sitting yeah. online, I cannot imagine. I've been thinking about that too. I think that, that every every bad tendency that the internet has surely got ten times worse in the last year, and we probably have not even really seen the consequences of that play out. Yeah, I think I think there is hope. I think that the further we push towards um, abandoning gender stereotypes, uh, and obviously to that there is a, like a backlash because now some people are trying to double down, especially on masculinity, because they feel as though masculinity is being taken away from them as if it's fucking served anyone <laughs> thus far. Yeah. Um, and so I I do think that we, I, I have a lot of faith in the next generation to be able to break down these barriers and stop seeing each other as these aliens, stop seeing each other as different, have more meaningful connections that aren't always sexual or romantic i do i do think there's hope but but any parents listening to this you do have a duty and that's why bad parenting was the list wasn't in order by any stretch of the imagination but bad parenting was in there because if you are just burying your head in the sand i know this isn't my right to say because i'm not a parent but I do urge people to not bury their head in the sand because your children are seeing all kinds of things online and they're learning all kinds of things at school and they are vulnerable and impressionable. And if you do not go out of your way to make sure you get ahead of that and educate them and work to render them less vulnerable to this misinformation online, you are doing your children a disservice and you do have an amazing and wholesome and unique opportunity to guide them at this hyper-impressionable age to to have more self-esteem, to have more understanding around consent and rejection, to have more understanding of different genders and gender stereotypes. There's so much that you can teach them now that will go on to make our society safer and don't expect that to happen in your school because our schools are fucked. So that's just what I would say 
that that is part of my hopeful vision for the future. Yeah, I like to think that as we kind of, as a society, understand these problems a little bit better, because this all happened very fast. A lot of the, the things that social media has given us happened very, very fast. Yeah. And like, we're still kind of reeling from it. No one knows how to make sense of it yet. But I, I do hope that like, as we kind of learn how all this works, we'll start being able to like spot the problems at a sooner period and like discover I guess it's going to take trial and error basically, but discover the ways to fix them. Yeah. And telling someone just to stop it isn't going to work. It's not working. No, it's, no, it's, it's not enough. If, if anything, it's just building a stronger divide. We're seeing that politically. We're seeing that in every aspect of trying to integrate society. It just doesn't work. Um, so thank you so much. This has been so much food for thought and I'm going to stop using the word Intel as a way to put someone down online <laughs> uh, when I'm angry with a rude man. I'm just going to block him or report him. And uh, I'm going to continue to try and learn about this and understand and encourage men to do more work to become better and safer and kinder and more realistic. Yeah, I think that's a nicer way to do it. I mean, I think, um, like I said, I don't blame you for wanting to want it because like, sometimes sometimes people are fucking around and they and you you want them to find out but i, I do think that like shaming and that that this class of person doesn't re i mean it's only satisfying in the moment and no it's, it's not a solution at all no it just further reinforces the idea that i'm a woman like a glamorous yeah. actress looking down on them that's exactly yeah, that's right it's, i mean all i'm doing i'm literally confirming it well thank you yeah. so much it's been so interesting to talk to you come again i'll see you in like three weeks uh, i <laughs> will look forward to it thank you Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iWeigh. Lastly, over at iWeigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWeighPodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. I weigh uh, my complete confusion and the beauty of it being a 21-year-old. I weigh the excitement I have for my mental health recovery. Um, My parents who prioritize my mental health above all um, and let me come home from school when I needed to. Um, My friends um, as my support system. And my, I could do this on the spot. And my wonderful dog, who is begging me right now to give her love. So thanks, Camila. Love you a lot. Justin, and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to sixty percent on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.